Coming up on The Rub. I'm doing competition barbecue, which I love doing. You know, if I'm off the weekend, I'm trying to, I'd love to be out there and cook and compete. I, I, I competed in my backyard and won grand champion this weekend. Of course, I didn't have any competition, but <laughs> I took the competition recipe. You know, it's expensive to do a full competition. You're looking at $1,000 by the time you buy the meat and your entry fees and travel out there and a bottle of crown. I mean, it adds up. We're in SBA, it's $150, and we provide the SIDS to you. Nine out of ten times, you can win a $1,000 first place. I think as a competitor, you know, we look at people, even if you're competing next to somebody, you know, um, during a competition, everybody can empathize with each other. I mean, we're all in the same boat. And even when I'm out of, you know, the picture now, not competing, I still look at people and... Um, you know, I still want to encourage them and help them a little bit, you know. Even if I, even if I compete against them in the past, I kind of go, ooh, you shouldn't be doing that, or ooh, you should be doing that. From the backyard to competition cooking, this is a show about barbecue, grilling, recipes, and more. This is The Rub. And now, from Memphis Barbecue Supply, here's Jimmy Shotwell. This is the show that's all about barbecue, grilling, and competition cooking. I'm alongside Forrest Goodman from the studios at 600 WRC and 92.1 FM in Memphis, Tennessee. The home of the world's best barbecue. Coming up, there's big money at stake if you know how to cook a steak. Brett Galloway with the Steak Cook-Off Association has details. And Suzanne Clark is a two-time pasta champion in the World Food Championships. She joins us, too. But first, Jimmy and I are longtime supporters of Operation Barbecue Relief. We've talked to them on the show. We've given you details. They get called out in times of emergency, and they're going through that still, Jimmy, right now in the Carolinas, where they have been serving up some food this week. They, I mean, they were already on the ground already. They were pre-positioned in Charlotte, North Carolina, as a hurricane hit. So they were ready to go once the hurricane made landfall. And once everything got out of the way and the first responders told them, okay, you all can come in here, they were in a holding position. Yeah. And now they're deployed. They're in two locations in the North Carolina area. They've got a small deployment in Fayetteville, North Carolina, and they've got another deployment in Williamton, uh, North Carolina, down by the beach. Yeah. Both hard-hit areas, not just with the hurricane, but with the flooding that came after it. Right, yeah, the, the, the aftermath of it. And it's worth noting to people out there that are listening, this is more than just a sandwich, a cookie, and yeah. a box of juice. They're providing barbecue. It's a hot meal, and they're doing it to people who are both working and volunteering because we kind of forget about them. Mm-hmm. They're doing it for them and the victims that are there. Operation Barbecue Relief is is big time. They, they've been on CNN this week again, uh, a couple of national radio shows. I mean, this is an effort that was born just a few years ago after, what, the tornadoes in Missouri? Yeah, and we've heard the story before about the tornadoes in Joplin, Missouri and how a bunch of barbecue, competitive barbecue guys got together and gals got together and started this in Joplin, Missouri and how it's grown. And I'll tell you this, in the last 12 months since uh, the hurricane down in Texas mm-hmm. and all the flooding and everything. That was Harvey, wasn't it? it? Harvey, yeah. yeah. So, so from then till today, they've even expanded more. I mean, they've that's got great. themselves an 18-wheeler that was donated that's been kitted out as their operations center. So that's they, great. So they have that ready to go. But they also have an 18-wheeler that Old Hickory has donated, these massive smokers, uh, and Sunbelt uh, Rentals and Generators has donated a Jenny that's all built into that, that 18-wheeler. So well, they literally have to pull into a parking lot drop the trailers, plug into the generators they already have, and go to work. Yeah. And they are showing this week. Um, they are already projecting the first week they're going to be on the ground. They're going to do about 140,000 meals. Oh. And that number keeps changing. And I'm not talking down. That number keeps going up. 
in their pre-deployment phase when they were in Charlotte, just for the first responders and the line crews and all those folks, they did about 5,000 meals each day just to feed those guys. But that was kind of working out the kinks for them to get ready for where they are right now. So I encourage folks, go online, volunteer, donate to OBR, Operation Barbecue yeah. Relief. And we've got guys that are here in the Memphis area that are with barbecue teams that help them out. So it's not hard to find someone. Or you can visit them online and help out. Visit OperationBBQRelief.org. Over the last 18 months, Jimmy, we have documented the explosion in popularity and growth in the State Cook-Off Association. And as they prepare for their big championship, Brett Galloway says they have a lot of money for the best state cookers from around the world. To get into this event, you would have half won one of our SCA cook-offs around the world. We're in 15 countries in 31 states, make that 32 states. And so there's people that have qualified in each state for the championship. Um, they were all invited to it. Uh, the top 10 in points, which is our SCA top 10, will also qualify. And, and that's the top 10 in points that are not qualified with a golden ticket. So if you win an event, you get a golden ticket. And then the next 10 that have not actually won a golden ticket, we're going to let them in also. Uh, those are the guys that have been chasing these things around the country. They're the ones putting in the miles, trying to, uh, you know, make their way to the championship. And so they get an automatic bid. And uh, we just announced those yesterday. And, you know, we got guys, guys from Arkansas, Florida, Iowa, Mississippi, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Texas that qualified in that top ten. And like you so said, you've got international. You've got all these folks who want to overseas. I, I know you've got a big presence in Australia. Where else are these folks coming from? Uh, we've got guys from Australia coming. We've got guys from New Zealand. We've got teams from Japan. We've got teams from Canada, Belgium, the U.K., um, Switzerland. Uh, Germany's very well represented. In all, we have 25 international teams coming. I mean, they're, they're coming halfway around, well, heck, they're coming halfway around the world to cook two 18-ounce ribeyes. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, that's unbelievable, and... Um, we're very excited and honored that they would do that. You know, they're, they're coming for a reason. They want to be called the world champion. They could win our world champion ring. I mean, that thing looks like an NFL championship ring. Uh, $10,000 doesn't hurt either. But most of all, their friends can call them world champion from now on. So, it, I, you know, we've got a lot to offer at the championship. We, our job is to make much of others at the championship, and that's what we plan on doing. Um, we pretty much set the field this week. Um, you can still get in if you're not in the field already. You can get in by winning an event or receiving a pass down at the event before the championship. So it, it seems our last month of the season, our, our events are heavily attended with guys trying to you know make that last minute push to get in. Brandon, it has been so exciting to watch the popularity of this grow. And you just went through all the different foreign countries along with people here that are interested in this and wanting to compete. When you sit back and look at this, what what do you attribute it to on why it's just exploded in popularity? You know, there's a couple of things that I think have really helped. Timing wasn't bad, you know. Uh, um, the economy has helped out a lot. And there's some factors on the outside that have helped. You know, doing competition barbecue, which I love doing. You know, if I'm off a weekend, I'm trying to, I'd love to be out there and cook and compete. I, I, I competed in my backyard and won grand champion this weekend. 
Of course, I didn't have any competition, but <laughs> I took the competition recipe. You, but, you, uh, you know, it's expensive to do a full competition lately. You're looking at $1,000 by the time you buy the meat and your entry fees and travel out there and a bottle of Crown. I mean, it adds up. We're in SCA, it's $150, and we provide the steaks to you. Nine out of ten times, you can win a $1,000 first place. Most events play top five. A lot of them pay top ten. Jimmy always so, brags that you don't need that big multi-thousand-dollar rig to drag and the cost that it takes to get there. You just show up with your tent and grill and a couple of chairs and go to work. And a cooler. Can't forget the oh, cooler. Oh, yeah, and the cooler. That's cool, right. Cooler yeah, beverage. Yeah. You know, he's absolutely right. That's one of the other factors. factors is financially it's almost entry level. Now, the skill to cook a steak, you can ask some of the barbecue guys to cross over and try it. Some guys cross over and do great. Some struggle. But it, there's a skill to cook in a perfect ribeye. And uh, you don't need the 24-foot trailer with a 10-foot patio and a pit maker on the back. You don't need a jambo. If you've got, you know, everyone's a king of their cul-de-sac. Everybody cooks with 87% of American households having some sort of grill in their backyard. You know, everybody's got something they can cook on. We'll allow you to cook on that gas grill bring it out you're gonna have a great time and then i'll see you back in two weeks and you'll be cooking on the charcoal grill <laughs> or you know these are guys i've never seen anybody cook on a george foreman yet we've seen guys cook on top of chimneys we even have one cook-off coming up it's a chimney cook-off oh, you have huh. to cook on a chimney wait a minute is vic involved Vic Clevenger, is he involved yes, in the chimney? Yeah, Vic's involved, yes. <laughs> this is the chimney cartel yeah, strikes we, we, again. We can blame him on that one, huh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, hey, I love a challenge. I, <laughs> I can't compete in it, but I'll be there to support it for darn sure. I, I actually, and this is no joke, a couple of weeks ago, I actually looked at my chimney on my back patio and thought, hmm, but I didn't go there. I've got the grill, but I actually thought about <laughs> it. You know Vic has started on Facebook, the chimney cartel. This is Vic Clevenger, the smoking comedian, and he's got a flag now, and he's got followers. Oh, yeah. He started something here, but it's nothing like the state cook-off. Now, Brent, I've seen recently in a lot of flyers for the State Cook-Off Association, they say trailers are welcome. Are you seeing more and more cooking teams bringing trailers, like 6x12 trailers to events? Yeah, you're starting to see that. When I competed back before we started SCA, I always had a trailer that at first we had the, uh, we had Bigfoot. You know, it had the folding awnings on it and mm-hmm. bar stools pulled out around it. And honestly, I spent more money trying to keep that thing on the road and selling it with alcohol than I did buying it. Uh, so it wasn't a great idea, but I, I brought it just so I had a place to keep everything. And then we bought a, a cargo trailer and what the cargo trailer is is you can haul all your stuff to an event, and you know everything's there. It's contained. Uh, some events have plenty of room, so it's no big deal. You just start pulling your stuff out of the cargo trailer. Some events don't have as much room. They're limited on space, and they won't say trailer allowed. So if that's the case, you just bring the trailer, unload your things out of it, and then um, just set up on your easy up. It works well either way, but, you know, honestly, you don't need a I have a guy that wants to bring a 40-foot trailer to the SCA World Championship. And I said, well, it's great, but what do you need it for? And he just tried to explain his cooking process. I said, and I explained to him he's cooking two steaks, two ribeyes. So we will at the championship have an area. You could bring that 40-foot Montrose, and, but you're in the very back of the area there, and you're cooking towards the front with everybody else. So That's part of the beauty of an SCA event is 
teams can walk by the uh, the crowd can walk by and see it. You know, at that event, we've got some big things going. Um, they, we paired up with a festival. They they run a real successful festival in downtown Fort Worth, and so they've added one on to ours. We're gonna have live entertainment on you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday out there. Um, we've got a welcome party Thursday actually for the international teams. I'm scared of that one. <laughs> you, why, why are you scared of that one? I mean, you've got Friday, you've got everybody else coming down there. Well, heck, last year we found a guy asleep on the, in the bathroom. <laughs> so uh, we are a little worried about those guys. They had a great time. Uh, maybe the door was too wide open to have fun with them. But we're going to do this one actually at a uh, brewery in Fort Worth. Found a perfect place for it, so we're doing it there. And, you know, Friday's a big one where we try to make much of the teams make it. It's their championship, their celebration. So we've uh, tricked it up a little bit this year. We've got a red carpet we're laying out for everybody. Um, it's gonna, uh, I don't even know how long it is. We still we go over there tomorrow and measure. But we're going to have a couple catwalks. We're then come down. We're, we've got photographers there taking pictures. We've got two of the backdrops with the SA World Championship. We're going to have two guys out there in tuxedos taking pictures with people, interviewing them. And those videos are going to be shot inside to Billy Bob's, world's largest honky-tonk, on the main stage. And so people get to see who's coming in. And um, I think it's going to be a great time. That catwalk, that red carpet is going to be a lot of fun. Now, Forge, you, you heard he didn't say anything about us I, being there I, I to do interviews. That, yeah. there's, there's photographers, there's all this, but nothing about us being yeah, there to interview. Nothing, nothing about an award-winning radio <laughs> well, show we podcast. That yet. We hope that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're doing some live interviews. Yeah, um, no, I you, think it's going to be neat. I, I, I've read and looked at everything. It looks like it's going to be fun. Now, I went two years ago for the World Stake, and it was at Billy mm-hmm. Bob's. Wonderful time. The welcome party that year well, uh, was not as big as you're planning this year. And I do have to say, Danny oh, Kennedy did have to kind of like make sure I got back the hotel okay. <laughs> it, it was a good time. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely a good time. So this year, you've got the red carpet. You've got all this stuff going on. But you've also got a band that's going to be welcoming everybody on Friday night. Who's the, who's the group on Friday night? Yeah, we've, we've actually moved over to Billy Bob, Bob's proper, which is, we've always been in the parking lot right beside it. It's one of their sister buildings, but uh, we're actually on the main stage at Billy Bob's this year, and Frankie Ballard is going to play. Uh, Frankie Ballard has three number one hits out there, and he sings about two of my favorite things in life, sun, sunshine and whiskey. <laughs> That's one of his songs. So then everybody's so, got to recover yeah. after Friday night, recover after all having all that fun and get ready mm-hmm. for Saturday. Explain what happens on Saturday. And this one is not Billy Bob's. It's close to it. It's Panther Island Pavilion in downtown Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, Panther Island Pavilion is um, It's just about 2.1 miles, I believe, away from Billy Bob's. Uh, Panther Island is a setting very reminiscent of uh, Memphis in May. It's long. It's narrow. We're going to have a bunch of teams in there. Um, but it's going to be set right on the river. We've got a stage with the backdrop of it is downtown Fort Worth. It's going to make for some great photos that evening and during the day. Uh, but we expect 185 teams is probably the magic number we're thinking right now. And that'll be a, the world's largest steak cook-off. And so how, do you, how would you like – let me give you a couple scenarios. Would you like to compete against 185 teams or, say, 48 teams? 
Uh, the, the the forty-eight. Yeah, yeah it depends how confident you are, okay. but I do kind of like the smaller number. Right, yeah. You live in more better odds. Right, right. Yeah, and I'm I'm a confident cooker too, but I still like my odds against forty-eight. So let's. So what we're going to do? We're going to take. We're going to divide whatever the final number is by four. We'll have a yellow, blue, orange, and uh, green group. Whatever colors end up. We're going to have four groups. When we do our steak selection, we're going to do that at 11 o'clock. So we don't do it early 10 o'clock because the party's going to keep going on Friday night. You've got till 11 o'clock to get in and set up for it. And then we'll do the cook's meeting. And at steak selection, every head cook will draw a chip out there, and that'll be your order of steak selection. But there's a twist. This year, when you draw it out, it's going to be a different colored chip. So when you pull it, you will pick not only your order of selection, you're going to pick which table you go to. And we're going to have coordinating tablecloths on four different tables. If you draw the red chip, you're in the red group, and you compete against all whatever amount of teams are in the red group. I will try to have an equal amount in each, and that's the group you're going to compete with that hmm. day, and we call it the World Championship Semifinals. So, so so we go out there and we go compete against whatever color group you have the individual three or four groups out there you're going to cook against four mm-hmm. groups it sounds like and yes, is sir. it going to be the top 10 then from the semifinals move on or how's that move on from there absolutely that's correct we're going to come to stage that night um we we're not cooking ancillaries for the public we want everyone to focus on having fun at the festival and cooking the best steak they could possibly cook they're going to turn in at four to four forty five. As they come in, they've got a mark. We'll put a ticket color on it that matches their chip, and it's just going to go into one of the random tables. So it, your steak could go to any table, but it's identified by a color. When it comes off, it's going to go to the rep with the matching color, and that rep will add all the blue ones together. Um, and she'll be in one corner and might have a gentleman in the other corner adding the yellow ones. When we're done, we're going to go to stage, and we're going to call blue ticket, 10th place, blue, and we'll call out their number. And then we're going to call out red ticket, 10th place. So we'll call the 10th place, and we're going to have four groups of 10, and those will be your finals. Now, it doesn't matter which group you're in. Um, You just have to beat the people in your group. So I don't have to beat 185 people. I just need to beat 40 people uh, or or 30 yeah. people, actually, because I'm playing top 10, 30-something people yeah. to get into then the next day, the Sunday. Um, and is, yep. So Sunday happens. Saturday goes down. We got our top 40. Everybody mm-hmm. who did not get in there, they've got something else well, to do on Sunday, don't they? Yeah, we wanted to make this a weekend. We wanted everybody to have a chance to – you know, really have a great time. And, you know, most of all, we wanted everyone to see that world champion presented in front of everybody still. But we, we talked about a consolation round, and we didn't like that. That didn't feel right. So what we came up with is on Sunday, we're going to do an early cooks meeting for the championship round. And then we're going to do a cooks meeting, and we call, we're call we having a second event called the kickoff classic. It'll officially be the first event of the SCA season. Uh, we're going to pay top 15 in the kickoff classic, whether it's 40 people or it's 200 people. It's an open. So if you don't qualify for the regular world championship, you could still come to the kickoff classic. And if you're there cooking the world championship, you might as well cook it. The timelines are going to allow you to do both. So we, we think this could be 150, depending on, you know, some people, if they don't win the championship, are going to go, ah, I'm going home. Others are like, all right, we've got another chance to win tomorrow. 
first place is fifteen hundred in it, and I think we pay through fifteenth wins a hundred bucks. So Sunday, so you've the, got two basically side by side contests going. Yeah. You've, you you've got the kickoff for everybody who mm-hmm. wants to cook at that first event for the SEA season. At the same time, you've got those top teams who made it through the semifinals who are cooking in the final round of the state category. That's correct. So we're going to have two simultaneous cook-offs going on. We're going to have two defined cook-in areas where you will turn in your steaks. The championship round will be first turned in. If they're in that top 40, they'll turn into, you know, say the left tent, wherever that is. And those steaks will be going to be judged by a group of judges on that side. We're going to have reps on the other side of the tent, and they're going to judge the classic turn-ins beginning at 3 o'clock. And, Forrest, so, the great thing uh, is about this event, I mean, when you win this thing, and he's kind of talked about it for us, this big ring, and I'm not right, talking yeah. about a wedding ring. I'm talking about, he's not joking, when it's the size of a Super Bowl like ring. Like a football Super Bowl ring, okay. And there are only a very few people who've got that in the world. I mean, Johnny Joseph yeah. has, what, four of them himself? Oh, wow. He's got three of our three points. Three of them. Cha- we give it to our points champion and the winner, winner of the uh, world championship. So there's only two given a year. And locally, Eric Hodson from Boar's Not Out. Yep. He, he, I remember him. We we yep. had pictures of him with his ring that he sent so us. He, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. So last year, not only did he get, uh, and last year, he got the silver rhinestone hat from Mama Shed down at the MBBQA yeah. Awards, but he then won the World Stake. This year, Shauna Rabilio won the MBBQA Celebrity Cook-Off with the rhinestone hat. Now, the question is, can she come about this year she's won a lot yeah we've she, had her on the show we've had her on the show yeah. can she then do the double the, the almost one double play kind of right. like eric did can he she do that do the double yeah but with how big oh. the field is i mean you got johnny joseph you've got eric you've got all these folks and then brett's going to give me a spot down the cook in i mean we're <laughs> <laughs> like i would slip that in there in, buddy time. <laughs> you know if Shauna does, she does well in large cook-offs, so she's got a shot. In that first round, you just got to be in the top 20, 25% of your group. Yeah. And you make it to the finals, and then it's anybody's game. And the first place you know, is that $10,000 check. I mean, you're talking about a $10,000 $10, stake, not, not, a, not a $20, a $10,000 stake. I mean, that's something special, and you're paying top 10, if I'm not mistaken, for that championship category. Absolutely, yeah. We're paying top ten at the championship, also. So it's that's a game changer. They could win ten grand plus plus the ring, or ever be a world champion. Um, got a great trophy for him. Uh, Gunnar Wilhelm is making a shadow box with a big cleaver on it. It's going to sit with the SEA World Champion logo on it for the year, and that's going to be great. Um, and there's just a lot of little things that come along with winning that title. Now, you know, and what we didn't mention is Friday night we're giving away. We've got another great deal. We're giving away our uh, SCA points champion. It's the Pelican points chase we've been doing all year. Mm-hmm. The, the winner of that we're going to announce at the championship. It goes up until the weekend before, until you know the day before the championship for the points. But we've got two guys that are like four points apart, if I remember right, battling for this thing. And there's other guys that could win it. The SCA World Championships start October 5th in Fort Worth, Texas. Coming up, Suzanne Clark is a two-time champion when cooking pasta. Mm. This is The Rub on 600 WRC and 92.1 FM.
This is The Rub. Welcome back. I'm Jimmy Shotwell. And I'm Forrest Goodman. Jimmy, a weakness of mine is pasta. I can eat it as a main dish. I can eat it as a side dish. Uh, Here in Memphis, I love barbecue spaghetti. We've got some great places that do that. I love pasta. I I do, too. It's one of the staples of my house. But Suzanne Clark is a two-time champion of the pasta category from World Food Championships, but has now moved on to help promote the brand. I am now no longer a competitor. I was the very first ambassador, and now I work with Mike, and I actually put on the whole shebang. Yep, I remember so seeing I you last year. Yeah, okay, good, good. All right. You know, the, the second year I won, so I won two years in a row, my category. Um, at that point, Mike said, you know what? I need your help. Come and join me. And I started being uh, you know, working for him as an ambassador. So, so let's I talk about that a little bit. The original. <laughs> I was original. <laughs> you're OG. You're definitely OG. That's right. That's right. That's right. So talk about the transition from going as a competitor to, to now you're an ambassador. You're kind of out there leading the forefront on the World Food Championship and, and the brand. How, how was that transition? You know, it was a hard decision, but an easy decision in a couple ways. Um, I was ready to kind of stop competing. I felt, you know, I won over 60 cooking competitions and, and received awards. Um, and when Mike came to me to ask me to do this, I love food sports so much and he needed the help. And I, the question became clear, you know, the answer became clear at that point. Um, I did kind of miss the first year watching everybody compete, wishing I was there, but then I also helped so many people and mentor people through this process that in part, you know, part of me still feels like I'm still out there competing. So, um, I now like help other people win and watch them. So it became a little easier when I started being able to help others. So standing on the sidelines there, watching everything in Orange Beach at the World Food Championship, you've got a couple of folks you've mentored that you're cheering for, but do you always kind of look around like you find your underdog, somebody (laughs) that you see there that you got to go cheer for? Oh, yes, always, always, always. You know, um, I think as a competitor, you know, we look at people. Even if you're competing next to somebody, you know, um, during a competition, everybody can empathize with each other. I mean, we're all in the same boat. And even when I'm out of, you know, the picture now, not competing, I still look at people and, um, you know, I still want to encourage them and help them <laughs> a little bit, you know. Even if I even if I competed against them in the past, I kind of go, ooh, you shouldn't be doing that, or ooh, you should be doing that. So sometimes you just want to jump right in there and help a little bit. Totally, absolutely understand. When I watch by, walk by young barbecue teams that are just getting going, I kind of want to jump in and go, hey, let's try this. But I, I've got to keep <laughs> my mouth right. shut and, and kind of kind of just back away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, hold on. <laughs> so we've talked about the World Food Championships a lot over the last couple of months uh, and last year also because we were down there. But kind of describe the World Food Championships from you looking at it for, for, for folks outside who've never seen it before? Oh, I'm going to tell you, it is, it is the event. In fact, I call it the foodie prom. It's where you make the date, you put your fanciest recipe on, and you go there and you have the time of your life. It is so much fun. Um, we have people from all over the world. I mean, where would you have the chance to meet somebody that, um, you know, has the same, you know, same things in common from Africa? Uh, from Thailand, from all over the United States. I have so many friends from um, all over the place now. Also, 
You know, it's the only place that you really get to compete um, as a home cook, as I am, against professional chefs. And it is just so exciting to be able to do that and to really be able to show, you know, what your talents are and what you got as a home cook or as a professional chef. Well, that's a really interesting aspect because you do have that home home cook versus the professional chef. Uh, right. I, I mean, we saw last year with Lisa Guatney, who is a home cook, whose whose background, her and her husband is comes from the barbecue competition world. So they're they're home cooks, but they're I want to call them almost semi professional because <laughs> they right. do the barbecue contest. But you've had so many home cooks go out there and do such a great job versus these professionals. What what is that? Is it the blind judging that gets it? Is it the presentation, the flair? What kind of puts them over the top? Well, I'm going to say, at least from my perspective, that as a home cook, you know, I when I have this task, you know, that this competition that I'm going to go to, I take it serious. I study, I train myself like an athlete every single day. My my last year, especially that I won. I went at every single day. There was that one day that went by that I didn't do something to get to world food. So do professional chefs do that all the time? You know, I'm not once, I don't know. Um, but I know that most of the home cooks that I talk to, they really take this serious, and they just practice and practice and practice and really give it their all. Also, I think there's some, kind of something special that moms and dads kind of put into their recipes, lots of love, and... Um, maybe a different perspective than a professional chef that would have that comes from a restaurant. Um, maybe more homespun, uh, comfort food kind of recipes kind of come from them. Maybe that's what the judges like. The World Food Championships is coming to Orange Beach in November. Coming up, there's 10 different categories that are cooked at in the World Food Championships. Does Suzanne Clark think that one is harder than the other? This is The Rub on 600 WRC 92.1 FM. This is The Rub. Thanks for listening. I'm Jimmy Shawa. And I'm Forrest Goodman. Competition cooking, Jimmy, is like any other sport. You practice, you train, and then you compete. Yeah, definitely. Suzanne Clark, a two-time pasta champion that is now an ambassador for the World Food Championships, tells us which category is harder than the other. I really think that it's the cook or the, you know, the home cook or the chef that's going to make that. Um, you know, if you have somebody great... They can do good in any category. You know, if you have a great chef, they're going to do well in chicken and, um, you know, in seafood and sandwich. They're going to be able to go down the line. Um, so I think it's more about the person and the category of Ooh. what's going to win. And, you know, the determination and the skill and, um, of that person. I really think that's more important than the category. Do you? Because I know we've got uh, we've got personalities. We've got the people out there that have a ton of personality that are cooks. Do you see that personality come through in their cooking in these different categories? I mean, we got Brad, who is a from from the shed, who is a right. <laughs> personality and a storm awesome. of his own. Yeah, mm-hmm. but do you mm-hmm. see that? Do you see those different passions of those cooks come through their food? Oh, absolutely. And you can tell, you know, you'll get these real confident cooks that will put like three items on a plate and they're all about it and, you know, they're all excited about it. And then you'll get 
somebody that maybe is not so experienced that, you know, everything, you know, all the, the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and, um, and, you know, you, you can kind of tell the little difference between that. Um, but again, in the end, it's pure talent, it's passion and it's determination that's going to win. Well, let's talk about 2018 this year. Of course, World Food Championships is back in Orange Beach again. I mean, I cannot, yes, I cannot stress how wonderful the wharf is down there in Orange Beach. Uh, I mean, that's just for me, my family. That's where we go vacation during the summer is down there in Orange Beach. So I'm very familiar with the area. For folks who aren't familiar with the area, kind of describe the layout and what's going on at World Food Championships. Well, I'm going to tell you, I live in Phoenix, Arizona, so Orange Beach could not be more different, you know. <laughs> We're going from the desert to the beautiful beach. And at first when we went, I had never been there, and I was a little hesitant. You know, I'm like, hmm, I'm not sure what this is going to be like. Alabama? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm going to tell you, I love that area. Absolutely love it. And I went in as a skeptic, you know, I just, you know, not really knowing what's going on. I would rather go there than California, than, you know, than the other side of Florida. There, I think, is the most beautiful beaches. They have sand is gorgeous. I, one of my favorite things that happen is during the festival, or during the competition, rather, all the monarch butterflies are out, and, you, you know, you see them with that beautiful sky, and all the dolphins and the sea life is just amazing. And then for World Food, we have it set up in the area of town where there's the big Ferris wheel. Um, and we're not too far. We're not on the beach, but we're not too far from the beach. But there's, um, and so because of that, we're actually sitting at the little beach area at the competition this year, which should be really fun for the kids and families. But um, it's just, there's a little excitement in the air when you get there. You can tell everybody's ready to kind of be there for a beach vacation, have a great time, and enjoy themselves. And the restaurants are fantastic there, too. That's another big feature that a lot of people like to come for. You know, all those oysters, oh, they're delicious. Absolutely delicious. And the thing is about Orange Beach, you're just not going to get the typical fried shrimp and oysters Mm -mm. like you're talking about. There's actually, there was a restaurant close to there where I went for breakfast nearly every morning last year that the Eggs Benedict that you got, there's like 15 options how to get Eggs Benedict. It was so wonderful. It's just a different food and different aspect, fresh product it is, down there. Isn't it? It is. I just, I just, I really cannot say enough about that area. It truly is one of my favorites. And again, because of World Food Championships, I never would have known it was there, you know, unless I would have been to the competition. So I am very thankful and happy that I got to visit that area. I will definitely be coming back again and again. And hopefully one day I can bring my family. That's wonderful. Well, we we look forward to seeing you this year again down there. Now, I know Mike McLeod. If you know Mike McLeod, he doesn't just say, hey, we're going to do cookie cutter kind of event. He's <laughs> always throwing new things and up against oh, the wall to see how it sticks. So this year, like you mentioned, there's that barbecue beach, uh, and then you've got other areas around the cooking arena that not just be able to watch the competitors compete. You've got demos going on and everything else. Kind of what's, what's on the agenda that you know about already? Well, speaking of demos, I will be doing a few of those myself, but we have this awesome stage coming. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's almost like a big transformer stage that kind of unfolds into, like, you know, the most crazy cooking stage you've ever seen, loaded with all different equipment. Um, That is going to be really fun to be able to get up there on that stage 
and uh, to show people all the different products and uh, recipes that we have. Um, we have quite a wonderful lineup of demos um, that we're going to be doing to show the public and to show the competitors. We also have a tasting village. And um, did you get to try that last year, go through the tasting village? I did not. I was stuck over in barbecue cooking the entire okay. weekend. So I, I got to <laughs> I got to go out um, the first night we were there, Wednesday night, in the VIP area and have some samples from, I think, seafood and and steak that that Wednesday evening, and then went to the opening party, which was a outstanding event that oh, uh, Mike put that on. Fun? That is such yeah, a great fine. time. Uh, but but then after that, I was stuck <laughs> over by our trailer cooking mm-hmm. all weekend, so I never got a chance to walk around that much. But yeah, you just kind of got me there. You said Tasting Village. Uh, I, yeah. I'm kind of a big guy. I don't turn down free food, uh, especially <laughs> especially when you have the availability of such great, wonderful sponsors and products that you guys have got. Right. And you know what? Um, everybody, when they come to a food event and they're watching everybody cooking, what's the first thing you want? You want to try some food. So this is a great opportunity to go and try, you know, different food products from our sponsors. Um, it's going to be bigger and better this year. People are just going to love it. It's so much fun. And you know what else? There's another way to get a taste. Um, you can join people in the VIP area as well. So we are going to be selling tickets for that. and. Then we also have a uh, another option too, where you can get even closer and uh, buy tickets for that as well, and actually taste the food that the competitors are making. The grazing so table. A, oh yeah, yes! Yeah. Let me tell you this: that is the key thing. If you get anything close to the grazing table, because you mm-hmm. get the exact same food almost what the judges are getting. Oh, it's it's great just to sample a little bit of whatever they're doing. My favorite thing was, like I said last year, I seafood. I, I just happened to no, okay, I didn't happen. I scheduled myself to be in the <laughs> VIP tent when seafood was going on to see all the wonderful different things that were going on. Oh, it is! It's so much fun, and you really do. You sit there and you watch these competitors work for an hour, two hours on these wonderful dishes, and you're like, oh, if I could only taste that. And so this is your opportunity. I think it's fantastic. Everybody wants to know what a winning dish tastes like, and this is your opportunity to do that. That's Suzanne Clark, and now after her, I want some pasta (laughs) with my lunch today. Coming up, it's our question of the week, what's going on, and recipe of the week. This is The Rub on 600 WRAC and 92.1 FM. This is The Rub. Welcome back. Thanks for listening. I'm Jimmy Shawwell. And I'm Forrest Goodman. You can keep up with the show on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast or on Twitter at The Rub Podcast. Our question of the week, Jimmy, actually comes from Twitter. And I've seen these in your store. Will writes in, do you recommend using the fire starters? And we're not talking like fire fluid, charcoal Mm -hmm. fluid. We don't use that. But it's these compressed, almost like sawdust-like compressed pellets that you can drop in your chimney and start a fire. What do you think about so, those? You've got a couple options on those. There's some ones that are solid, almost paraffin wax with a little bit of accelerant in there. There are some that are sawdust compacted in there with a little bit of paraffin wax. There's some like a tumbleweed that you've seen little little shards that have been kind of wrapped up this little bundle. As long as they're all natural, no chemicals in mm-hmm. there, use them. Feel free to use them because they usually burn for a good 15 minutes. 
uh, if you put it underneath a charcoal chimney and give you about an eight inch six inch flame to start that charcoal chimney really good to use majority of the time they burn down to nothing very, mm-hmm. little, very little ash that's right you can also put them into the actual grill itself or smoker down by the charcoal basket and put it in there and start it that way and as this gets caught lit you can start pushing the charcoal over it so i always suggest use a charcoal chimney do not use lighter fluid but you can use accelerants like mm-hmm. like we're talking about little lighting lighting nuggets or lighting cubes but just make sure they're brand name they're good and there's nothing added in there and just more words of advice and a warning if you have dogs they love to chew on those <laughs> i know from experience i was about to say that sounds like somebody who's gotten it from experience i i, I had a box of them that you uh you let me use yeah. and uh, by the back door because i go out and cook mm-hmm. and uh marley the larger of my two rottweilers decided that oh this is going to taste good so chew toy yeah chew yeah and it didn't last long at all uh. and uh she didn't like the outcome i didn't like the outcome of it either <laughs> you can uh, again follow us on twitter at the rub podcast Jimmy, we're almost at the end of September. Next weekend will be the final weekend of September. So we've got tailgating, we've got barbecue contests, we've got so much. What's going on? We got so much going on. We talked about all summer about just wait, just wait. It's coming. Yeah. This is one of those weekends. And then the floodgates would open, and they have. <laughs> this is one of the weekends for the September 28th, 29th, that weekend right there. There's no home University of Memphis football games, and you can tell by the schedule of barbecue contests. Bartlett, Tennessee has their barbecue contest with their fall festival, and it's an MBN or Memphis Barbecue Network okay. backyard event. So it's not a full, you won't see the big dogs out there, but you'll see a lot of folks who live in the Bartlett area who want to show off their barbecue skills. The semi amateur cookers? Some of them are better than semi amateur. Yeah. I just wish they would cook more. Mm-hmm. Just some of them just can't because they're friends and family. Just Good can't. stuff, yeah. yeah. Alrighty, also down in Mississippi, Ruleville, Mississippi, they're going to have their fall festival and barbecue contest. It's an MBN full-blown sanctioned event, so you'll see whole hog, shoulder, ribs down there. Don't they do steak cook-off as well at they've that got, event? They've got an SCA steak cook-off event scheduled, too, so that's going to be a Friday, Saturday of nothing but smoke rolling down through Ruleville, You'll see some people show up to that, too, because we had Brett Galloway on mm-hmm. earlier in the show because you know they're trying to punch that ticket to compete for that big cash so that's a, an opportunity especially for people in the mid-south mm-hmm. area ruleville's not that far away nah. go down highway 49 and you'll be there and, and i actually saw that happen at goat days a couple of weeks ago um you had all your barbecue teams that were loaded in there about 35 barbecue teams loaded in there having a great time on friday come saturday morning it was like the floodgates opened up about eight o'clock in the morning because all the sca or state cook-off teams showed up and you had everybody from Malcolm Reed to 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 a couple of customers I know from the store who are trying to get that ticket to mm-hmm. get there to uh, the, to the World Stake. Uh, so yeah, you're right. This is a great opportunity to go down to Ruleville, Mississippi, and do that. But you've got more chances too. Jonesboro, Arkansas. Has oh a, wow! This the same weekend, 28th, 29th. Oh, so next weekend. Okay. So Jonesboro, Arkansas has a barbecue contest in downtown Jonesboro, and they've got also an SCA contest with it. So. Th- now, I do not know. I need to look at the schedule. Is Jonesboro Friday night and Ruleville Saturday? Because if it is... You can do the double. You yeah. can do a double. You go drive over to the wonderful state of Arkansas and see those folks and do a steak and then jump it down the road. And like I said, down Highway 49 and go yeah. down to Ruleville, Mississippi. 
But we're not done yet. Uh-oh. There's more. Rossville, Tennessee. Okay. Rossville, Tennessee has a barbecue contest. It is a non-sanctioned contest. That means that the Rossville, Tennessee folks have put it on. They've got their own set of rules. You're going to have ribs. You're going to have pulled pork. I know they got chicken out there. It's a great little small event out there in Rossville, Tennessee. Uh, and they always have a good crowd that show up out there. But outside of this area, I mean, you can go to Fayetteville, Arkansas. has got a barbecue contest and a steak cook-off. It's just, you can go about anywhere in this area right here. All these little small towns are starting to have their fall festivals for the next probably five weeks. Yeah. Just depending on what the football schedule in that local area is, you're going to see a lot of these fall festivals. And Jimmy, before we say goodbye, let's cook up something good. I know a question that I get from folks. They buy a pork loin. Or they buy a tenderloin, and there is a difference. There's a difference in price. There's a difference in the meat. But if you cook it the right way, there's not much of a difference in the taste, if you know what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, the tenderloin is just a tad bit, I want to say tad bit, it's, it's kind of like the filet yes. of, of the pork. And it's, it's tender. It's a tenderloin. It's a yeah. tenderloin, but it's also smaller. It's about a pound versus a whole pork loin can beat up to 8 to 9 to 10 pounds. So... The loin, you can cut some great chops out of. And that's where pork chops, part of that comes from is that pork loin. The filet is a very small piece. So what I usually do, pork loin, I'm feeding a big crowd at tailgate, for example. You trim up a little bit of the fat on the back of that. You throw in the smoker. Sear, you can sear it up if you want to and then throw in the smoker. But usually I put mine just directly on the smoker. Me too. Kind of cook it to about 135, 145, somewhere in that range. Because if you overcook it, it's not good. It's not good. And pork loin, you can't really inject it. You get pockets of inject, injection in there because how dense it is. You can brine it and get some moisture that way, but you got to be really careful for it. But you slice it up and make nice big sandwiches with it. Everybody can have a nice little slice of it. It's a great time. Yep. Tenderloin. Tenderloin's a lot smaller piece. That I almost want to direct, directly grill. Yeah, because you can overcook it if yes. you're not careful, yes. That one, I'm babying. I'm just washing it and keeping an eye on how it's doing. That one, I'm going to get like a Sister Schubert or a Parker House little roll, and I'm going to slice the tenderloin up and put that on that ten, that roll, and that's going to be a nice little slider kind of sandwich to enjoy. Uh, flavor profile-wise, like you said, Forrest, they're very similar. I mean, there's a little tenderness difference between them. Uh, I love going to Sam's and getting a big, massive loin. And, and cutting it in different like little roast portions, and I can put one in a crock pot in yeah. the winter time. I can cut up some for chops, and I can do another one just on the smoker. So there's so many things to pull pork loin you can do. Tenderloin is kind of more of like a special occasion. That's something like I need a little appetizer or something nice, nice and tender. For Jimmy Shotwell, I'm Forrest Goodman. We'll see you next week. Get out there and grill, cook, or smoke something good this weekend. So long, everybody. You can listen to The Rub on the iHeartRadio app, iTunes, and Google Play. You can also hear it Saturday afternoons at 3 on 600 WREC and 92.1 FM. Like The Rub on Facebook. Just search The Rub Podcast. You can also follow the show on Twitter. Just search at The Rub Podcast. The Rub is a production of Memphis Barbecue Supply, Good Media, and 600 WREC and 92.1 FM.